You're listening to the Drawing the Ideal Self podcast for September 2022. You may notice that my voice is a bit croaky today, uh, and that's because I have had COVID and I'm now supposedly recovered, but left with a bit of a croak. So apologies for that. So now it's autumn and everything's kind of returning to the normal way of living with all the routines for school, routines for uni, all kicking in big time. Uh, I actually quite like this time of year. It's quite exciting because it's about new starts for me. And um, I'm always thinking in academic years, even though I don't need to really work in them anymore. However, I thought it'd be useful to put this interview at the start of this term uh, because it's an interview with Sam Beasley. Sam is an educational psychologist who works in the UK in Hampshire. And I know that there are people starting courses in educational psychology and obviously special needs coordinators and people like that going back to school who might be thinking, OK, so how would an ed psych maybe use PCP in their practice? OK, let's get on with the interview. So, Sam, can you tell us a bit about your career and how you came to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So I studied psychology, um, an undergraduate degree. Uh, I went to Warwick Uni. And um, and after that, I started working as a teaching assistant in a mainstream secondary school in the Midlands, yeah. um, which was just a job I absolutely loved. I, um, I was there um, working with various different children, supporting them in the classroom. And a trainee educational psychologist came to work with a boy that I was supporting. And ah. uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, it, was, it, was, it was a trainee who was at Birmingham University, I think. And he did Drawing the Ideal Self. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he fed that back um, to uh, myself and to some other uh, members of staff who were working um, with this child. And it was, it was one of those aha moments because he oh, really okay. had difficulty so he he was um he was finding it really difficult with reading and writing and he therefore was just not motivated very much in the classroom yeah. and we were we were finding it difficult to know how to motivate him and how to engage him and so when the trainee educational psychologist talked us through his drawings it was just a whole different side of this child that we didn't know about. Okay. No, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fix now, Sam. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's, it's funny that that was the first time I came into contact with personal construct psychology was being um, on that side, um, having, having that kind of moment where I was really able to understand a child much better as a result of of that tool being used um but an, another child that I was working with at that school I was aware was um transferring over to a special school so the child had autism and he was transferring to a special school for children with social communication difficulties and I saw a job for a teaching assistant come up there so I ended up um working at that school as a teaching assistant um and then as a higher level teaching assistant yeah uh, for a couple of years um, okay so it was seeing someone actually do something 
mm. and and explaining what they'd done and it gave you some kind of an insight to that young person. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really changed things. And you could tell it changed things for the child as well. You could tell he had goals in mind. His, his ideal self was around being a businessman. And um, he'd drawn um, himself in a suit with a briefcase, you know, and, and it gave yeah. us a way in. Um, and then I went on to apply to uh, do the educational psychology training um, after that, because I just thought this is something I, I would really like to do. And it, it combined my interest in working in schools with with young people and then my my background in psychology. Yeah. OK. And where did you do your training? Um, I went to Southampton University. Yeah. Okay. So um, it, when I when I was working at the special school, I was in the Midlands and um, and and therefore getting a place at Southampton University was going to be a big change for me. But but you and I had met while I was working at the special school. Yeah. And from that meeting, I ended up doing the PCP foundation course at the Coventry Constructivist Centre. And it just so happened that over the, the duration of that course was coinciding with me going to interviews for the EP training. Oh, yeah. In, being offered a place, but not in the Midlands, down in Southampton, yeah. and and having the realization that I was going to be moving and going to go through quite a big change in my life, all happening at the same time as I was learning about personal construct psychology mm. and having those sessions. So it, it was it was a, certainly a way when I was able to use techniques as well and and in practice on the course to to reflect on the things that I was going through. Ah, okay. And it, I suppose anybody who hasn't done the course won't kind of imagine that, but you do a lot of practice using yourself as the the sort of tool, if you like, to train. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I think that's one of the things people really enjoy about it, that they get to actually do it with a partner and, you know, talk about how it was to both receive and give, if you like, uh, experiencing a technique or an interview or whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. And Southampton Ed Psych Training has has always, I think, had some interest in PCP. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so. It was uh, the time I was there. We had input on PCP from Simon Burnham, um, and it was um, then when we got together and. Um, put together a chapter for a book that you were putting together at the time, which was uh, around using personal construct psychology in practice with children and adolescents. Yeah. And that really came about because as a as a trainee educational psychologist, I was wanting to put together a, a toolkit, essentially, or like a pack of, I suppose you'd say, resources that I, I could carry around yeah. with me that I could use when I was out and about and working with young people. Uh, but the, the the input on the course really helped me to discuss those ideas with with other people who who had a bit more experience than me or, or people who were also trainees like me um, yeah. and put together yeah, some resources. Yeah. And I, I will put a link to the book um, because it's a really nice chapter. And I, I think one of the, one of my intentions with that book was to show people real things that you could really try in your work uh, and that that is the feedback that I've had people have said that's been helpful because it could be a bit hidden otherwise yeah yeah and and I've picked up 
so many ideas as well from that book. So um, since looking at the section, especially on using Minecraft, so I've, yeah. I've obviously used drawing the ideal self um, in, in so many aspects of my work. It's, it's, some, it's one of my go-tos. It's, it's something that I, I will use quite frequently. But there have been times when actually what's more motivating and more interesting for the young person has been to build uh, the ideal classroom or the ideal yeah. school with Minecraft or, <laughs> or in one case, Fortnite. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. I was saying about what was difficult at school, what would be difficult in his, in his non-ideal school and what would be better in his ideal school were things that people weren't aware of before. They were new pieces of information, certainly to his mum, and I think also to the school that he used to attend. Yeah, and if you think of that, you know, him being able to explain that, if you'd said something like an open question of, you know, okay, how, what's wrong with school then? Yeah, that probably would never have come up. You would have said, I, I don't like it, or, you know, something yeah. vague back, I guess. Okay, that's interesting. So in your kind of day-to-day -day work as an ed psych, how do you get the PCP into it or or is it just the way you are in <laughs> terms of your approach to your job well I think for me having having done the PCP foundation course while I was a teaching assistant and then going on to do the educational psychology training and then going on to work as an educational psychologist the PCP has just been there all the way through so yeah I think there's so much about PCP that's just a way of understanding people and it's a way of listening actually some of it is not even about what you ask although there is a lot of it which might be that there's also a lot about what you hear and yeah. also what you what you then report you know or, or interpret and, and then and then put out later because actually it's it's important to really capture the the views of that the other person that you're speaking to in in an authentic way and and so I think in that way it probably is in in my interaction style I suppose yes yeah so you Tom Ravenette I think was calling it invitational sort of mode so that you you are you're open to going with the person where they are for the time that you've got them, which uh, as an ed psych might be how many hours, you know, if you're doing an assessment for helping plan their future education, how many hours would that be of contact time? Not, not very much, actually. Probably um, it, it could be an hour. It, right. it, can be quite, it can be quite short. Making every moment count really and building that relationship so that you're in a position to really hear the views and, and what's important um, about and to young people is the, the point of the involvement really it's about yes. getting that view and there's certainly a huge focus within the service that I work for so I now work as an educational psychologist with, with Hampshire and Isle of Wight educational psychology right. and we, we have a huge focus on child-centred approaches and really advocating for children and young people by 
involving them in what we do and making sure that we gather their views in in a way that is actually meaningful for them. Yeah. And what about the writing up of that sort of thing? How difficult do you find that? It depends on the the tool or, you know, technique that, that I've used, I suppose. I think um, it's, it's important to keep the language that's been used by the child or the young person that you've worked with. So for me, I'm often presenting that as as it as it is. You know, I'm it's yeah. not for me to overly interpret that. Um, uh, but what is important and and what is a a requirement from from my work, especially when it contributes to the legal documentation around supporting a child's um, additional needs. For example, in this country, it's the Education, Health and Care Plan. Yeah. When we're doing that, we, we are required to give advice, you know, to write recommendations or outline the support that a, a young person needs to make progress and to reach their goals. And so for me, I'm I'm informed by the PCP technique that I've used, the, the, the conversation really that I've had with the young person to inform then what what support would be the most helpful so if if, for example going back to the lad with with his things and needing to spread his things out and for them not to be touched by someone else and then not to be rushed at the end of the lesson that's going to feed in then to what I'm you know what I'm saying would be helpful for him and help him to be successful at his next school yeah and it's it's also about then writing um those those outcomes. So we need to write in reports like that. We need to write things that the young person's working towards in the future. And again, that that's that's coming from the PCP that that I've that I've been able to do with the young person. That's where those ideas are coming from, and that's such a lovely thread to have throughout the report. Yeah, and I think you know I've read many of those reports. I've written some, um, <laughs> but you know. There aren't that many people contributing who are going to give the child's view. There are people who will give parts of the child's view and also their impressions of the child, which is the most common and, you know, data about the child. But their voice has to be heard. Otherwise, the whole thing doesn't make any sense, does it? It's supposed to be about helping them to be the person they want to be within a, an educational setting and to learn. Um, and it's interesting that if, you know, if you're the ed site going in and you've got an hour, it's a massive responsibility to get that across, isn't it? You know, probably your hour of contact time is less than your report writing time, I would mm-hmm. think, <laughs> you know, per <laughs> hour of contact time, because you've got to write it in a particular way, but also, you try very hard to express that and, and to make sure you've represented that child's view as well as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because on a piece of paper, it's a different experience, isn't it? Absolutely right. And it's um, and it's so important. Like I say, it's, it's just the values of being child-centred are just absolutely run through what I'm doing and what we kind of believe in as a as a profession and as a as a service for Hampshire and the Isle of Wight as well so yes it's a lot of responsibility but the the I think for me the um the value in in working around other EPs who use 
PCP in what yeah. they do is huge because it means that we can discuss these things and and share um, ideas about how to do this. If people have tried out perhaps putting information in a table or attaching a picture, whether that's in the middle of a report, or whether it's you know however it's however it's described, some descriptions of of what we've done, trying to make sure it's clear how we've got the information that we have as well. Those are yeah. things that we can talk about together, um, which is why, which is why it's great working in the service that I am, and and also having studied at Southampton Uni, where PCP was a focus of the of the training course as well. Yeah, you can see that thread going through that you know has taken you from seeing an ed site do something <laughs> to being an ed site doing something. <laughs> it's been a a bit of a journey in terms of what tools I've taken around with me. Um, some of them are uh, in some ways easier to report and yeah. uh, because they, they naturally contain kind of statements or words, phrases that that um, children have perhaps sorted. You know, I'm thinking of things like Butler's self-image profile or kind of ratings, salmon lines even, uh, where yeah. there are words, people's names, things like that, with objects, nouns, which are which are sorted by children, which, which can be presented, you know, in writing. Um, I've gone through various phases of using those sorts of tools and then there are other um other tools for example blob trees or natural objects stones go-go dolls which are yeah which are the um the the figures I said essentially aren't they which have got ambiguous faces and things and they can be slightly more difficult to write up because you you're not necessarily doing that I, I find photos can be quite useful of the arrangement that a child has made perhaps with with those things or of perhaps a, an ideal classroom that they've built out of lego or an ideal self that they've drawn those sort of photographs that you can do quite quickly in the moment that put in later are helpful and of course i've got to mention the children's exploratory drawings yeah just love using so when i first qualified i was carrying around people have referred to this sort of set slightly dogged set of Ravenette school situation yeah. <laughs> ambiguous drawings and I had the same sort of slightly faded photo copies so um while uh Cleo Timney and Abby Coman were trainees uh with us in Hampshire in the Isle of Wight they were developing the children's exploratory drawings and I've just loved using them um yeah you can obviously do them digitally as well as kind of printing them and things and yeah, it's really helpful. It's a lovely set of drawings that can be added to, which uh, yeah. I send them ideas now and again. <laughs> Could you do one <laughs> like this, please? <laughs> but it, I mean, it's it's so much better, you know, without being rude to Tom. You know, Tom's drawings were of their day. Um, you know, now they need to be modern and uh, it's helpful for them to be less specific and more ambiguous so that, you know, we're careful about um, representing everybody, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. And and I think that um, the video at the, on the website, the kind of guidance that goes along with the children's exploratory drawings means that they can be used by people um, with a psychology background or without necessarily having a psychology background as well. So um, I love the flexibility of that too. Yeah. So I guess in your role, you will be also working with teaching other people to use things. Now, have you taught other kinds of staff to use PCP approaches? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've I've done a workshop actually with um, emotional literacy support assistance on drawing the ideal self. So emotional literacy support assistance for people who might not know are members of staff who usually work in a in a setting, usually a school, um, and they tend to be teaching assistants who are trained by educational psychologists to um, to be able to support the emotional well-being and social skills of children and young people. And they're often involved in trying to understand children's views, understand their behaviour, and to be able to um, find ways that they can express themselves and their feelings and make sense of what's going on for them and how things might be improved for them. So I was able to do a workshop on drawing the ideal self. And um, when I was doing that, I I presented a photograph. It was a photograph of some boys have kind of a bit in a heap on the, on the floor um, smiling and, and sort of, you know, in some sort of rough and tumbly type situation. And I asked uh, the room, I think there were about 50 Elsa's um, in the workshop um, to share some ideas with me about what they thought was going on in the picture, you know, what words came to mind when they saw the photo. And some of them essentially felt that the the situation was a good one, that it was that it was play, that it was good, that it was fun. And then in in drawing out what what the opposing pole to that would be, it was it was as opposed to being lazy or inactive or play that that was separate and not with other children. Whereas there were other views in the room about how that photo represented not a good situation, a situation where it looked like fighting or it was unstructured. It, it didn't have any order that the ch- somebody might get hurt. It was just really fascinating, even in that very short example, that there was such a range of views in the room um, about you know how this situation could be interpreted. Mm. And, and it really served to communicate the idea that we're often trying to understand children's behaviour and are assuming that they have the same constructs as we do, but that actually often they don't. <laughs> and that's yeah. why we are, we're not understanding it, because actually there's a difference there in the way that we're seeing that situation. Yeah, that's a, a lovely way of getting them to open up to the idea that maybe there are other views, an alternative construction. Mm-hmm. Nice Absolutely. start to a workshop. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and what were you what were you doing with them in the workshop? Were you getting them to try out drawing the ideal self? Yeah. So I um I took them through some of the 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 reasoning around it, you know, why why um it would be helpful to understand how children construe things. And then really, I just took them through the process and I asked them to do that. So um, drawing the non-ideal self, drawing the ideal self and and the kind of follow up questions about that, you know, some questions they might have with them, etc. And then I I asked them to then, again, go through the line. So we have a a line between them rating where they felt they were etc etc but I just took them through the process like that and um and by going through it themselves 
I think that they really saw the value in using a, a tool like that. I had lots of feedback saying the tool was something that children were interested in doing because children, we know, don't easily talk about their feelings and they don't easily always yeah. share how, thing, how things are for them, whether that's because they might have some communication difficulties or, you know, so they might have social communication difficulties. Perhaps um, they can't verbalise haven't got the words necessarily to, to describe their construing or they they might have English as an additional language. There's lots of reasons why using a drawing tool like that is so helpful. So, um, yeah, I had some really good feedback from Elsa's following okay. that. Okay, good, good. And do you, um, it sounds like you've got quite a little community of Ed Sykes interested in PCP. So do you yeah. kind of exchange info with them about what you've read or what you've come across that's been interesting or useful? Yeah, it's great to have people around who are trying out different things. And we um, will get together, we'll have uh, perhaps a what we call a psychology space where some of us in the team will come together to talk about an aspect of psychology that, that we're using or we're finding interesting and just share ideas about how we're doing things. I have been involved in um, talking to Abby Coleman and Cleo Timney about the children's exploratory drawings. They've been able to pass that information on to us. But it's also through those um, unplanned conversations in the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> it's really lovely actually coming back now from working from home a lot and being back in the office is that when you come back from a, a school visit is being able to talk about how it's gone and what you've been doing. And that's for yeah. me where the where the information's just being shared and I I love I love that I love hearing about what other people are doing and sharing ideas myself ah that's good you've said quite a few things about things that you use regularly is there anything else that you can think okay well this would be really useful to Ed Sykes something that you've tried that worked very well for me I think the um the there's nothing there's nothing perhaps um more straightforward than carrying a pad of post-its and a pen um it small it fits in my bag it's it's always there and and I will so often hand a child three post-it notes and ask if they can either tell me or I'll or they will write down three words to describe you in nearly any situation that will be helpful and I will use perhaps some laddering techniques from that but just for me knowing that the post-its are there in my bag means that I feel prepared <laughs> for my yeah that I go <laughs> that I go in and also I think the the other perhaps tool that I take with me is not not necessarily restricting the use of PCP to to just the children and young people themselves. But it's also when I'm talking to parents or perhaps teachers or other support staff in schools, we work with children's homes as well, children's home staff. And, and actually sometimes it's about eliciting constructs from the adults about yeah. how they are construing the situation and, um, and pulling out some really useful understanding you know, uh, not just with the children, but with with adults as well. So yeah, that so you know, in your conversations with adults about children, um, you're able to get a, a kind of explore some of their construing in order to do what? Are you trying to shed light on something that could be affecting the child? 
Yeah, sometimes it's about um, also understanding that referral in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I know that the, this is something that's been written about um, as well. Um, I know Tom Ravenet's written about it in terms of understanding why what's whatever's happening that you've been asked to help with is a problem in the first place because sometimes that's that's what's needed is just actually more understanding of the problem itself and when people can really understand what the problem is they often can find ways of solving it but what the barrier may have been is actually not really understanding what the problem is to start with mm. if that makes sense um, yeah and I don't know if you have this experience, but often if I went into a classroom and observed, I would see at least three other children doing either the same or worse <laughs> and think, what is it about that one then? That Why that child is referred? And that story is very interesting, isn't it, to try and get to the bottom of? This is not my question. This is I've definitely heard this from someone else, but what are they not doing by doing what they're doing? You know, so mm. to help to to understand what function is that behaviour having then? Um, what 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 are they not doing instead? And 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 almost, well, then what would the alternative be? You know, what would you like to see them doing instead? These are these are all questions that help to understand the situation and what's happening, and then and therefore naturally lend themselves to ideas about what might need to happen next to make the situation better. Mm. So you can use that in your kind of recommendations. Absolutely, and, yeah. And have you found that sometimes um, your recommendations aren't welcomed? <laughs> I, <laughs> or maybe I, people I, are too polite. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said before, I'm I'm really trying to um, to base those on what people are saying to me. I'm I'm well aware of of that. Ravenet paper around never, never, never give advice, mm. and I and I find that quite difficult to marry with my role, which is often the expectation people have of the educational yeah. psychologist is to give advice. So it's important to educational psychologists that the the advice that we give has come from a discussion that we've had with the young person themselves and the people that know them well. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic paper because it really makes you think, doesn't it? And you think, oh. Yeah, what does that really mean? Especially when Ed Sykes information is called advice <laughs> often. <laughs> and written at the top of the page. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, but what you're giving by the sounds of it is advice that's credible and based on actually what people have said, not your suppositions about what they might have meant. And there will often be tweaks to things that are already happening, for example. So they are hopefully easy to implement. You know, they're not completely different new things that are going to take lots of time, but they are they are perhaps just small tweaks to to what people are already doing to, to support children and young people. I mean, schools are fantastic at helping children with a m massive range of additional needs. There are already... So many fantastic ideas, strategies, passionate people with lots of creativity. It's just about tapping into that and 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 looking at, at what perhaps the, the small tweaks might be to help that to improve children's outcomes across the board. Yeah, so you're, you're able to do something which really helps people to move forward by the sounds of it. 
And so they're not they're not as stuck in I suppose the trap they were in of everything kind of being the same and not being able to get on. Um, so the child can move on, the teacher can move on, the parents can move on. And that's so important, isn't it? I think it's also a kind of hopeful thing, an Ed Sight role. That you you never give up as an Ed Sight, do you? You never think people can't be educated. <laughs> that's that's so at the core of what we do. I ultimately when people ask me what an educational psychologist does, it's about improving outcomes for children. I mean, I think it is a hopeful profession, isn't it? It's a profession that can see a future for a child that maybe at the time of referral, nobody could see. You know, everyone was feeling really down about it and couldn't couldn't find the way to go that would enable the child to engage. And, and that's personal construct psychology, isn't it? It's that constructs are changeable and 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 sometimes not just the, the young people but also those working with them completely understandably can develop a fixed mindset around things that constructs aren't changeable that there there isn't another way um of of being and doing things and really honestly I think sometimes it's just about giving enough time you know for for the problem to be talked about I think we um we rush about quite a lot, don't we? And and schools and and nurseries, colleges are really under a lot of pressure to get lots and lots done in a day. So mm. I really feel that having a, an amount of time just to sit and think about how things are for uh, perhaps for a, a, an individual child or maybe for a, a class or a particular yeah. group of children is really all it takes to start to find ways forward. It's just about having the time to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say, um, you know, if you were talking to somebody who was starting out on kind of like a PCP career, a site career, what kind of suggestions would you make to them for how they might take things forward a bit? Well, this podcast is a fantastic place to start I think there's so much you can um you can learn about PCP in such a, a lovely easy to understand and accessible way um, that's good though I, I mean this is going to embarrass you probably but also um a couple of books that you've either written or put together so the one um mentioned about uh the personal construct psychology in practice with children and adolescents has got some of the tools but Personal construct therapy uh, with children and young people, I think is what it's called. I can't um, remember. <laughs> it um, is, is, again, a really accessible text for, for people who are interested in knowing a bit about the theory, but perhaps don't have the, the very thick um, volumes of George Kelly's work to, you know, to start with. Um, yeah. <laughs> um but but also I would I would say um having the confidence to try try things out try out a few approaches because as with anything we use the tools that we enjoy using the most so it's about finding one that works for you something that you enjoy doing and if you're enjoying doing it then the children that you're working with will enjoy using it as well yeah I mean there is something about the delivery of something that you feel very comfortable with, isn't there? That it, it comes out better. 
you know, whatever that is, you know, your preferred things. Um, yeah. And what what about um, if people are thinking of being an ed psych, is the Southampton course still a good place to go to develop the PCP and the ed psych? Oh, it's the best. Of course, I'll say it's the best. <laughs> the Southampton course was was fantastic at being able to explore um, a huge range of techniques in psychology, um, but but supporting us to find what fits with us and what we feel enthusiastic about and fits the values that we have as as individuals. Everybody that's coming to the educational psychology training is coming from a range of different experiences that they've had in their lives. You know, we we are people, we're humans, and we've all come with our own passions and interests and strengths. So um, I certainly found the Southampton course to be one which nurtured those individual strengths and helped us to find what what works for us um, mm. when we then qualify as educational psychologists. Well, that's good. Good. And and your service, that's a good place to work then. By the sounds of it, if you're interested in PCP, you know, there are people there who are interested in PCP. So, you know, when people are looking to change jobs, might be worth getting in touch with you. We we are recruiting, I will say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we are a lovely bunch. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's a very sociable um, service whereby we can share ideas um, around but also we nurture strengths and talents so where people have got particular interests there is the freedom and flexibility to develop those interests link up with other educational psychologists who share those interests and find ways to use that in our work we we have such a broad range of work here we're very lucky in that we are involved with children from very young you know nor all the way up to 25 in a range of settings yeah. and we also work with not just school staff education setting staff but but other professionals uh including social workers i mentioned we work uh, with groups of parents we are working um with children's home staff a, a mm. range of different people we're therefore able to bring uh, what we enjoy doing and 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 our strengths to to our work we have the flexibility to do that okay right Sold it well then, Sam. <laughs> They'll all be applying now. I love it. I love my job. <laughs> okay, well, is there anything else you'd like to plug or to tell us is happening for you that people could find out about? I'm excited by the work that Elaine Schoen is doing. Um, she's putting together something I think that she's calling the PCP pocketbook. And yeah. it will be ideas of how you can use PCP if you've got a minute, an hour, six sessions and beyond. I think that will be a really great reference guide for people who who are thinking that perhaps they don't have time to do PCP. I think that will be a really, really helpful document. So that would be a place I think if people are interested in finding out how they could use PCP in their role, whatever it might be, I think that would be really helpful. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Best get Elaine on, haven't I, to talk about that? <laughs> I I really enjoyed listening to her speak when I got a chance to listen yeah. to her talking. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. That's been really interesting, and I think what what you've been able to do is explain to people what an ed psych might do and how they can use PCP and that approach. 
and you're working in a service that allows you to work with lots of different people. So that, you know, is a real test of how good the PCP is, if you like. It's been a pleasure to talk about it. Thank you for inviting me on. You're very welcome. I think one of the really interesting things about Sam's story is how it all began with just day-to-day practice. So the Ed Psych was in the school doing a piece of work and Sam was a part of hearing about that work and that, in the end, started her journey to becoming an educational psychologist but also somebody who uses PCP in her everyday practice. And we never know when we're using something in front of someone else what impact it can make. And we also never know when we develop something, you know, so like drawing the ideal self, what effect that might have and how useful or not other people might find it. So I think from my point of view, I think it's always worth giving things a go, always trying to get involved and see what happens and not being afraid to try things out. Or if you're in the situation of maybe you would be interested in developing your own professional skills, asking somebody if you can sit in with them and see how it happens. You know, that may be possible. So that's all for today. I'm sorry about my voice. Uh, There's nothing I can do about it. I'm hoping that when I come back next month, things will be fine. Okay, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye.